Our reading this morning is on page 1128 of the Church Bibles, which are behind your seats in most cases, and it's on the screen behind me. It's from Romans chapter 1, from verses 1 to 17. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who has to this earthly life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call, to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit, in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you but I have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as, of, as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone, and uh, Happy New Year to those I haven't seen yet this year. I'm Neil, the Associate Vicar here this morning. Uh, we're going to start our sermon series as we look at the whole book of Romans. And uh, let me just get the first slide up. Oh, Jim done that. Uh, in the Lord of the Rings... Frodo, the insignificant small hobbit, 
is told by the great wizard Gandalf this. It's a dangerous business, Frodo. Going out of your front door, you step onto the road, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no knowing where you might be swept off to. And that's what we're starting out on this morning, a journey, an adventure into the book of Romans. And we're hoping that we will get swept off our feet and carried to places that we don't expect because this book of Romans is just such a wonderful book to explore. Whilst the mighty Roman Empire has been confined to the history books, this letter, possibly the most influential letter that has ever been written, is still transforming lives down into our generations today. This letter has been around for 2,000 years, changing people's lives. And it's important because it gives us great perspectives of our faith, on our faith, and holds amazing truth for us as disciples of Jesus. It is the longest letter in the New Testament. That's why it comes straight after Acts. And it's also often thought of as a letter that's hard to understand. And so we tend to dip into it and just look at our favorite verses. But this series is aiming to look at the whole picture. I can't get the right slides up, I'm sorry. Jim, you're going to have to move it on. And we're going to use a resource, which is a book, which uh, says that Romans is a bit like a mountain. And we all know that climbing mountains isn't easy, but it's worth the effort. Do you remember back in lockdown, the first lockdown, we had time to think about all the things that we hadn't done and that we wanted to do. And then there was a gap. And in August of 2020, in that gap, Debs and my eldest daughter, Millie, and myself, we climbed the three peaks. So in the sunshine, we went up Snowdon. And then in the mist, we went up Scarfell Pike. And then into the clouds, we went up Ben Nevis. We did it all in a week. We didn't do it in 24 hours or anything special like that. But it was still quite a, an accomplishment, something that we were proud of, something that we'd achieved. And the views from the top were often spectacular. And that's what we're hoping for this sermon series uh, that we're entering into. This sermon series is a route map that will take us through Romans, through the whole book. We're not just dipping into one bit or another. I talked to someone after the first service this morning and they said, they were in their home group and they said, what, we're doing the whole of Romans. And that's what we are doing. We're doing the whole of Romans. But we have this great guide to lead us through in this uh, resource. And the way the resource works is that it sees Romans as a mountain and each part of Romans fits together as we go up and then down the other side of the mountain. So we start off today with the gospel in Romans 1. And then our next passage is the valley of sin. That's the next part of Romans. And then we go up the slope of salvation in Romans 3 and 4. We get to the place of peace in Romans 5. And then we go along the narrow ridge of freedom in Romans 6 and 7 until we reach the summit of hope in Romans 8. Romans 8 is the pinnacle of all of the writings in the letters of the New Testament. Most uh, people who study and read the Bible agree on that. So we've got Romans 8 to look forward to. 
Um, and that's great. And then on the other side, we come down through the cloud of mystery as we think about God's purposes for his people Israel. And that is a bit of a mystery at times. We descend down uh, into devotion that we find in Romans 12, how to practically lead our lives. We go on into creating community in Romans 13 and 14. And then we move out into mission in the last part in Romans uh, 15 and 16. So this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. We're climbing this mountain and we're going to see some spectacular views. And it's maybe that it's going to be a bit uphill at times and a bit downhill at times, but we're going to make this journey and do it together. This letter is a letter that makes sense of life. And so we're going to start today by looking at the beginning and the end of the letter to think about who wrote it and who received it and to give a bit of the backstory of the letter because that's important as we understand the journey that we're going on. And so the letter starts in a way that we might take for granted, but at the time would have been a really odd thing to say. It starts with Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. In the Greek, those first two words rhyme. It would have been written as Paulos, doulos. And the rhyming gives it emphasis. And Paulos, doulos means Paul, a slave. It's not just that Paul is a servant. He is a slave of Christ Jesus. And in the Roman uh, uh, Empire and in the city of Rome, about a third of the population were slaves. Things that we take for granted, turning on our tap, pressing a light to pressing a switch to get the light putting the washing in the washing machine turning on the hoover all of those jobs were done by slaves in the roman world and the goal of a slave was to find freedom and yet paul starts this letter with paul a slave of christ jesus he is a free man and yet he's claiming this identity that he is a slave of christ jesus why does he do this? Because Paul has realized that Jesus is the master who sets us free. He is the one in whom we find our perfect freedom. And this is the paradox. This is sort of the conundrum that we all have to face, that it's in giving ourselves into a life serving Jesus that we find our freedom. Paulos doulos. Those words would have been just so weird to those people who first heard it. This is who Paul is. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So what about the recipients of this letter? At the time Paul wrote the letter to the church in Rome, it's thought that there were about 200 Christians in the city, a city that had a population of a million and they were based in five different house churches. That's what people have pondered and thought. And in chapter 16, at the end of the letter, Paul greets by name 27 different Christians from that, all of those different house churches in Rome. It was a church that was a close-knit community. And those greetings at the end just show how much 
Paul loves these people. Sometimes we think of this letter of Romans as a theological tome, but it's a greeting. It's a, it's a letter sent to friends and people that Paul knew. He's full of humanity as well as wisdom. Those 27 people were known by Paul. They were loved by Paul. And they lived uh, often in the poorest parts of the city, but some of them would have been in villas on the hills around the city. And they worked and lived together on the margins of society. They were usually the poor, the tired, and the hurting, but they were hungry for good news. And what we see as we look at these 27 names is the diversity of the people that Paul is greeting. Because some of the names are Latin names, Roman names, some of the names are Greek names, and some of the names are Jewish names. And they're all mixed up together. There's no order with the Romans come first and the Greeks come last. And some of them are clearly slaves. From the names that are used, the academics can tell that these were slaves who were part of this list, along with people who owned big houses, Ampliatus and Nereus, meet with the rich and the famous. They all meet together, wealthy and poor, one in Christ. Status and hierarchy that was so important in Roman culture and society has been completely flattened by the church. And we must see also that women have an important role to play. There's women in that list, and the most important woman in that list is the woman who starts the chapter of 16, I commend to you our sister Phoebe of the church in Cancrea. Phoebe is the person who is given the task of taking this letter from Paul to the church in Rome. And she's not just um, a DPD delivery person. She doesn't just poke it through the door. She's the person who will read out that letter to the people in Rome. So on the journey, it's probable that she reads it again and again and memorizes sections so that when she comes to read it out to the people, she knows what she's talking about. And perhaps Paul spent time explaining to her what parts of it meant because she is the one who's there to explain as well as read this letter. And this task is given to Phoebe. This task is given to her. It's likely that she was uh, a businesswoman and that was the cover for taking this letter. It was a subversive letter to an underground church. They weren't meeting in the open. There were no buildings. They were meeting in secret. And Phoebe has to take this letter in secret, using her cover to find its way to the people. Paul wrote this letter in 57 AD in Corinth, which was the port city next door to Cancrea. He gives it to Phoebe, Phoebe takes it to Rome. And there she tells the people, she explains the letter as well as passing on the letter. And this is our job today. We must not say, oh, Romans is just too difficult for me. I'm not going to bother with that part of the Bible. We need to memorize some verses. Just passing on the verses is wonderful. Well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for all that brings salvation. We can learn some of these verses. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. For there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. 
These are wonderful truths that we can pass on to people around us. And that's our challenge as we start this journey into Romans. But one of the big themes of this whole letter, and an important thing to see as we start to look at the letter, is that Paul wants the church to think about unity. And this is because of the very specific backstory for the church in Rome. In AD 49, the Emperor Claudius expelled all of the Jews from Rome. And the historian Suetonius, hope you're impressed by all of this, uh, it's all in the book, it's not me, it's, uh, it's all in the book, but so you can read it there. The, the historian Suetonius wrote that the Jews had been expelled because there had been riots over the name of Crestus. And it's thought that Crestus was a Latin form of the Christ. So you can imagine the Jews in the synagogues and the Christians outside arguing and debating and that turning into riots. Claudius gets fed up. The emperor says, you've all got to go. They all get expelled. Now the church has already started, but now its leaders, the Jewish leaders of the church in Rome, are all expelled. So the church has to struggle on. And new leaders will form, won't they? And new leaders will take the place of the other leaders. That's what always happens. And then after Claudius's death in AD 54, the Jews are allowed to return to Rome. So those leaders who were kicked out come back. And now they find a church that's already growing. A church that's already found its place. And these Jewish people are coming back to the, to, to, to the Gentile church in Rome. So Paul's writing to the Gentile church in Rome and talking to them about accepting back the people who have been expelled. These people need to come back. And Paul says later in the letter, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Paul wants to see that together they're going to be stronger and richer and better at proclaiming the gospel. So we can imagine Phoebe reading this letter to poor slaves sat with Jewish believers in a Roman villa or in a house by the, down by the river in the slums. And as she speaks, the power of the gospel brings unity. It brings them together again. Unity is the goal of the gospel, breaking down barriers between people. Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. Paul sees that our way back to a right relationship with God, the way to break down the barriers that mar so much of our lives together, is to believe in this gospel, this good news. As we start this year, how confident are we that this gospel brings new life, that this gospel will bring a better life, not just to individuals, but to communities and to nations. I know it's the middle of winter, and the news is always terrible, but often around us, people seem quite happy with their lives. As long as we've got enough money to go out and get a drink and a burger, as long as the children are happy, as long as our football team wins occasionally, sometimes it's very occasionally, but as long as there's a few things happening, we're content with the way life is. Do we find ourselves sometimes a bit tongue-tied in offering people the good news of the gospel? Because they do seem content. 
People aren't interested in what we have to say. So where are we on this spectrum of being like Paul and completely convinced that the gospel is good news for everyone and being sort of the person who never says anything? There's a spectrum, isn't there? We might be plagued by doubt and never, ever share our faith. Or we might perhaps be a bit further up this way and mostly confident about telling people about Jesus, telling people about the new life that he brings. The aim of this course, part of the aim of this course, is to help us to move from this side over to this side. No, no, from this side over to this side. I was looking at that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was looking at that one. I'm sorry. We want to move from here, don't we? We want to move from being worried and doubtful. We want to move to being fully assured of the good news of the gospel. And the confidence that Paul has is a confidence that can rub off on us as we read his words, as we get used to what he says, as we understand what he says, that this is good news. In our modern world, we still need this good news. And two reasons. First is that this is great good news. In Paul's time, the Roman Empire was a great big empire, wasn't it? And the emperors would go off and fight battles at the edge of their empire. And when an emperor won a great battle, they would send a herald with a message to tell all of the cities of the victory that the emperor has won. And the herald who brought that news was the person who brought the euangelion, the good news, the gospel. That was what this word gospel meant. It was the good news of a great victory. And Paul sees that he is the herald who is bringing the good news of a victory. Think for a moment of a place that you'd like to go that you haven't been to yet, perhaps Venice or Barcelona or New York. Think of somewhere special. In the ancient world, the only place that everybody wanted to go was the city of Rome. Rome had this population of a million people. No other city on the face of our planet, reached that level of population until London did 18 centuries later. So this was a huge city that dwarfed anything else that had ever been seen in the world. And it had palaces and temples. It had the Colosseum for the games. It had markets. Did you know the ancient city of Rome even had a heated swimming pool? People would travel from all over to go to Rome. But Paul doesn't want to go as a tourist. He doesn't want to go to see the sights. Paul wants to go. Did you hear in, that, in the introduction to this letter? He wants to go to give the people, the Christians in Rome, a spiritual gift. Because Paul's convinced that despite all the things they have, they're missing the truth about Jesus. In Paul's mind, Rome desperately needs Jesus, despite everything it has. We need that same confidence that Portsmouth needs Jesus despite everything that we have. We want to make Jesus the heart of Southsea. That's our job. That's our mission. And Paul sees that just as every road leads to Rome, that saying was founded in this time when the Romans had built arteries, roads-like arteries, feeding the great city, all roads lead to Rome, Paul sees that all of the Bible leads to Jesus. 
All of God's plans and purposes lead to Jesus. So it's obvious to Paul that he wants to take Jesus to the center of everything. The center of everything is Rome, and Jesus, who is the center of everything, needs to be taken to Rome. Paul studies God's word. He knows the Old Testament off by heart. And through the resurrection of Jesus, a new era has begun. Jesus' death and resurrection is the hinge of all history. And the power of the gospel is drawn out of the power of the resurrection. For here, death and sin are defeated. And this good news is just as relevant today. Because we're still bound down by sin. We're still, each one of us, going to have to face death. We know that, don't we? And so this good news is still a hope that everyone needs, that everyone should hear. This is great good news. And the second reason not to be ashamed of the gospel is because the gospel welcomes everyone. Paul says that this is salvation for everyone who believes. Everyone is included. Remember, Paul lived the first half of his life as a strictly observant Jew. And as a strictly observant Jew, he would have regarded all of the other people in the world, all of the Gentiles, as unclean. He was focused completely on the people of God, the Jewish people. But then Saul meets Jesus and becomes Paul. And Jesus gives Paul this call. He is an apostle to the Gentiles. And Paul sees that this message, this good news, is available to everyone. Everyone who believes can be restored to a relationship with God. Everyone who believes can experience the righteousness of God. God is faithful in his promise of salvation. And that promise has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This is the message of the gospel. That whoever we are, wherever we come from, this is what brings us together in unity. We're all blessed with this grace that comes from God, this mercy that makes us right with God through faith in Jesus. Through faith in Jesus. The gospel says, here everyone is welcome. The blight of the racism and the culture wars that have dogged humanity down through the centuries that all goes and disappears because everyone is welcome. The good news may start out in Jerusalem, but it's just as relevant in Rome as Paul takes this message or in any city in the world today or even in South Sea. This message is great good news and this is a message that welcomes everyone. The gospel is nothing to be ashamed of. The gospel is great good news that we need to share with those around us. In the last 2,000 years, our human condition has not changed. We still have to face sin and death. We still have to cope with the impact of sin and death in our lives. And the message of God hasn't changed either. The gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. This is the message of Romans that was transforming back then and is still transforming lives today. This is the power of the gospel. So are we up for this? This 
adventure in Romans. Are we up for this? Yes. Let's get on with this journey and let's get into Romans. It may be a bit intimidating starting out on climbing a mountain, but it's great good news and we've got so much to discover. So um, this is the book that goes with the course and we tried to get some copies of this book for today, but the bookseller had sold out, uh, which is always a good sign in a way, isn't it? That you've sold out of the book that you're trying to buy to give out to people, but they're sending some hopefully this week. So we'll have some of these for next week. And this course has a participant's guide that the life groups are going to be using. So we've sent out the link so that people can print off this for themselves. But we've got a few copies, as you can see, if you want to take one. If you're not part of a life group, um, uh, then you can join one. You can see me after the service, and we'll get you linked up with one. We've had life groups reform in order to study this uh, uh, course together. Just after the first service, two of the older little ladies in our uh, first service congregation came up to me and said, how can we do this course? We want to be part of this course too. So they're coming along to the daytime uh, course uh, life group on a Tuesday. Let's get excited about this. Let's share in this journey. Let's share in this adventure. Because this is the power of the gospel, the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. We are on a journey, and we're at the start of that journey. But we've got God with us, Jesus with us. We've got his Holy Spirit, and we've got his word. And each week um, in, the, in, the, in the Anglican Church, we have a little prayer that is specially for this week. And this week's prayer, as God does, is just perfect for us. So let's stand, and let me pray this prayer for us. It's a short prayer. It's a simple prayer. But this is the prayer that God gave us today, and it's a prayer for each one of us. God of glory, you nourish us with your word, your word that is the bread of life. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, that through us the light of your glory may shine in all the world. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all the people said, Amen. Amen.